0: Hey guys, this is Chris and Megan from Tap the Craft. I'm excited to tell you about a new company that we've partnered with called HopCloth. HopCloth is based in Tampa, Florida, and they produce some of the best craft beer apparel around. They have great designs such as the Drink Beer From Here series, supporting all 50 U.S. states, as well as other great designs to show that craft beer is not alcoholism. It's a hobby.
1: There are tees, tanks,
0: and hoodies from men, women, and your newborn future beer lovers. We personally own a handful of their shirts and we can attest they're super soft and comfortable. You can find their website at www.hopcloth.com or check out our Facebook page for links. Open. open. open.
2: What well, community sounds awesome. Stay open.
1: Hello, craft beer friends, and welcome to another episode of Tap the Craft Podcast. I am Denny Luce, and I'm coming to you from the Boise, Idaho area, and I'm joined with my partner in craft from Columbus, Ohio, Mr. John Ream. John, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing
0: great. I'm on my fourth beer in the last, like, two hours, so I'm going going the Denny route. (laughs) I had a really long day of work and other stuff going on, so I came home and just... Started drinking. Just started,
1: yeah, yeah. Hey, I yeah. hear you. I hear. I had a week off of work, and all I did almost the entire time I was off was drink a lot of beer. So hey, I, hey, you're doing
0: a good. You're doing it good. Yeah, except I did something to earn it. You know, you just kind of woke up and and started there. drinking.
1: Yeah, yeah. And what's awesome is is uh, you know one of those days we woke up and drank beers. For the last show at ten thirty in the morning, you can't go wrong there. Ten thirty in the morning beers, that works. Yeah, next time we'll do it at ten thirty for me, so you can do it at eight thirty. <laughs> that would be, that might be a first for me. Might be a first to drink that early. I mean, I've drink at ten o'clock before, uh, but eight o'clock that I don't think I've ever done that. I think I'm a responsible right. drinker. New goal for the podcast. <laughs> All right, we'll make it. We'll make it work. Make it happen. All right. Well, hey, in case we have any new listeners to the show, I just want to let you guys know what Tap the Craft Podcast is all about. And we are an educational podcast. We focus around celebrating all things craft beer. And we want to help you along in your craft beer journey. And you are listening to episode 78. Uh, we're recording on Sunday, July 9th, 2017. And we are recording a little bit early, like, like a week after we recorded the last show. Actually, less than a week after we recorded last show, because I will be traveling out of the country for a couple weeks, and uh, I won't be able to record when I'm when I'm not here. So we went ahead and recorded this early, so you guys won't miss out on a bi-weekly episode. So thank you, John, for uh, sacrificing and coming back so quickly to record. Uh, but you know, with that being said, we are probably going to have, I'm going to say it, we're going to have a short show because we just don't have a as much stuff to talk about with such a short turnaround. So we're going to have a short show. But what you will find in this episode is we're going to talk about how you scale up your brew recipes from a homebrew capacity up into a commercial capacity. And since John is getting ready to do that, he's a perfect guy to talk about what his plans are on scaling up his recipes to a commercial 15-barrel system. I can't wait to find out how it's going to be done. And we have a couple articles we're going to talk about. And, of course, you can count on John and I always having some great beer conversation as we uh, go along in the show. And, of course, starting off our beer conversation, John, let's talk about what's in your glass tonight. So I mentioned last week that I
0: I had the Trogue's Nimble Giant. Um, I I think I even – I call it like Small Giant or something initially. So I, I felt like I had to do it justice and have it again. So tonight I'm drinking the Trokes Nimble Giant. Sweet. I got my last my last 16 ounce can here, um, so I'm finishing strong with my my double IPA. Are, are you going and to? That's assuming I don't go to something else after this. True.
1: So true. Are, are you going to uh, go pick up another pack of this beer, or is is it hard to find?
0: Uh, well, when I bought this, there were a number of other four packs on the shelf, and I went back today, and they were all gone. Oh. So, I was actually planning on getting again. That's how much I enjoyed it. Uh, and I, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't double dip a yeah, lot. Yeah. And in my beer purchasing, especially when it's six packs, um, just I, I just don't have the budget to, to do that. But, mm-hmm. um, I was willing to do it here, but I, I just couldn't because they didn't have any. So
1: uh-huh. unfortunate. The, yeah. Yeah. Next time, buy two.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I just didn't know. I mean, <laughs> if Amanda had reached out earlier,
1: I would have known. Yeah.
0: So yeah. I blame, I blame her.
1: Uh oh. Okay. Well, Amanda, <laughs> get the news out earlier. Now we know. Yeah. So for next time, it won't be yeah. won't be an issue. But uh, for yeah, any I'm other sure ideas, I just started some kind of flame war on Facebook <laughs> by that comment.
0: Yeah, but because you know that,
1: she 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 remembers she remembers. Oh, She's I
0: know. <laughs> and but here here's the the trick. I, I'm just gonna let Chris deal with it. Okay. Like,
1: yeah, you know what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I still get a chuckle out of every every dogfish head uh, you know, jab she gives out. And they, they, they screwed them over again this week when they went to a tasting, and they didn't tell everyone that the tasting was canceled by dogfish head. So they show up to have a tasting? No dogfish head. But, you know what? They didn't give up. They went ahead and ordered 14, I think a 14 beer flight to try all the beers they had on tap, so that's Hey, that's a win-win. I mean, you you kind of lost out on drinking Dogfish Head, which they are not very thrilled about anyway. But they got to try a lot of other beers. So, yeah, that you
0: know, disappointing, but uh, they made the best of it. Yeah. So, how about you? What are you drinking tonight?
1: Well, I am drinking uh, one of my you know go-to pale ales during this time of year that comes from Elysian Brewing, and I know Elysian is not an independent craft brewer, but they still make good beer, and I like this one a lot. This is their Super Fuzz Blood Orange Pale Ale, and uh, I like blood orange in my beer. I like pale ales. The two combination is works really well. It's a it's a you know easy drinking, flavorful beer, and uh, it's what I need now. It's got a lot of floaties in here. I mean, it's got a lot of orange pulp kind of stuff floating around, which is kind of cool, kind of disgusting at the same time, but. <laughs> yeah i mean speaking of not you know
0: technically craft beer anymore they they're in the grocery here now oh wow um, they there was one six-pack in there next to another uh i think and next to a Joe, or i think it was joe ipa from okay. tenborough mm-hmm. um six-pack so they had one of of each of these in the in the store um and it was one of the ipas um uh, maybe the day glow. I can't remember. Okay, yeah, day Glow's uh, out right now. Yeah, yeah, but what whatever it was. I mean, I I recognized it, but I was like, oh, I've had that a bunch of times. I'm gonna get something in local now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. Well, and um, have you noticed? I I know you haven't been on social media very much, but this week I noticed that there's been uh, all these collaborations that are being that are being uh, displayed on Twitter and on Instagram and other places. That show collaborations between these AB and Bev craft beer breweries. So you know, oh, ten, really? yeah. So um, very interesting that they're they're going and, and doing collaborations between Elysian and Tin Barrel and Wicked Weed and and another you know Goose Island or whatever. I I don't remember all the details, but I remember seeing um, that each of the ones were like distinct uh, collaborations between between the the breweries that they've uh, picked up over the years.
0: That's really smart on their part. I mean, people go crazy for collaborations and it might be enough to, you know, woo woo some folks that, you know, maybe swore off or, you know, something like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm still, I mean, I'm still waiting for WikiWeed to show up in my area. I'm hoping it it happens soon.
0: Well, you just need them to get that 10 barrel collaboration.
1: True. Actually, you know what? I bet they will have a keg of it at the 10 barrel uh, here in town. I'll have to just go down there and, and try it for myself, figure out which there one it go. is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, John, um, what's going on with Trek Brewing out of this week? I know it's only been a week since we uh, last recorded, but uh, is anything new going on?
0: Uh, a lot more demo. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, I think the ceiling is now torn out ac- across the entire old kitchen area that's going to be the brewery. Um, so that area includes the brewery, our the tiny or the small kitchen that we're going to keep. We're going to keep a small kitchen area. Uh, it includes a, a little lab area. Oh,
2: cool! Um,
0: uh, my office um, and a new bathroom. Oh, so uh, a new uh, ADA like handicap accessible bathroom because I while I think you know, we could make the current bathrooms work. Um, I don't think we could do it in a way that would do justice for the folks that, you know, really need that extra space and everything. So we're putting in a a new bathroom to make sure that, you know, I mean, we, we could meet the requirements if we needed to in our current space, like the technical requirements. Yeah. Um, but it's not the right way to go about it. So Mm -hmm. we're, Going to have a, a new like ADA like bathroom that will should meet everybody's needs. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's it's one thing to meet the, the specifications to bare minimum. It's another thing to make it so that it's actually very useful and easy to use for the people that have to use it and, and make it make it a, a good experience and not a challenge. You don't want people to come into your establishment and have to suffer through trying to to meet their needs. Uh, Yeah, just you.
0: you, I do have a special (laughs) thing. It's like a coffee can that's suspended up in the air.
1: Well, you know, Um, I just need a bush. Just take me to the bush. (laughs) Uh, That's all I need. It's okay. (laughs) All right, so I've seen pictures of the demo, and the ceiling looks pretty messy. You mentioned that you might be having to relocate some of that ducting work that's up there, and like there's a bunch of cables that are running through. Is that going to be cleaned up, or...
0: Yes. Um so we're going to be running pretty much all new electrical through the brewery area and then that'll include some new stuff over into the kitchen cuz by rerouting things into the brewery we're going to end up cutting things for the kitchen. Okay. Um you know things that service the full area cuz it was one space, right? Um so uh, the ducting is going to be uh, redone because we actually need to put up a firewall um, to separate the brewery from the rest of the building. Oh, wow. Um, so by doing that, we're, I think we're going to end up isolating uh, the ducting in the brewery uh, because we have enough um, air conditioners for the whole building that mm-hmm. we can do that and still, you know, cool the rest of the building adequately. Um, but, uh, otherwise if we think we can do that, uh, we're waiting for confirmation on that and mm-hmm. approval. Um, otherwise we have to put in a fire damper system, which will not be fun uh, yeah. uh, on my wallet. So yeah,
1: yeah, we're hoping we can go this other route. Um, and, and it makes sense if you could actually isolate the brewery system from the main, Area that's I think that's a better idea because then you can control things better and then if there is an incident where heaven forbid a fire occurs in the ducting it's only isolated to that one section and you know might be better that way and cheaper on
0: your yeah way. I mean I mean I'm I'm planning to not have fires yeah I mean that that's just a,
1: it's a small goal of mine um,
0: <laughs> but I, just, uh,
1: I, I only I only say it because will an Empire Craft Ale House here in the Boise area. They opened up their facility, and they actually had a fire within the first six months that they had it open in the ventilation, and it was totally—it wasn't caused by anything they were doing. It's just that something happened, and somehow something caught on fire up in the roof, and it didn't cause a lot of damage, but it was scary because it could have taken down their whole brewery in one fell swoop, and and so that's why I just made a, a comment that you never know what's going to happen, especially. Yeah I mean if, if you're using all new ducting then you don't you know there's no grease and stuff in there but if you're using uh, you know ducting that's been existing when it was a restaurant you don't you know there could be a lot of uh, hidden Oh there's there's a ton of grease everywhere. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um I mean it was it was an old smokehouse like barbecue joint. There's oh, yeah. There's a film like we're going to be in there cleaning for a solid week before like we can open just to make sure there's no more of this sticky film on mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. It's it's everywhere. Um, but uh, you know, right now you you go in, and every time we go in, as we demo the like smokehouse smell is less and less because we oh, yeah. pull out more yeah. and more <laughs> of the stuff that just soaked in all that uh, aroma over the years. Um, so you know, apart from looking, you know, like it's going to be ours. It's also starting to smell
1: like it's going to be ours. Oh, good. Which is which is nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is nice. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. So I saw I also saw that you guys did a nice job cleaning out the patio. I think we talked about it last time, but it looks really nice that how you guys cleaned out all those bushes and stuff for the patio um oh, yeah, area. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, did, I think I did mention that we had started that. Um and uh it it was twofold. One, you know, there well there's two sides to that. There's like two equal sides of a landscaping bed. I think we only showed the one side where the patio is going to be mm-hmm. um but we cleared out the other side too and, and part of that is that the the building is actually clad in like wood you know T111 siding mm-hmm, stuff mm-hmm. so they had planted all this stuff that's right up against that wood exterior um which is not good mm-hmm. um because it you know Let's bugs and yeah. everything just come right into the wood, yeah. around you know. So you need you need separation between any landscaping you do and a building if you're having that kind of siding. Okay, um, which we didn't have, so we had to get that. So we, uh, you know, rather than try to manage what was there, um, we decided to just start clean. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we had to do that on the patio side, and on the other side, um, we started clean and we're working with some folks on what the right look will be and and other stuff. So we'll have that up there um, when we get that finalized too. So cool. I think it'll look really good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, excellent. Excellent. So demos going well, you got all your fermenters and your bright tank, everything came in unscathed, no damage of the, of the pilot line uh, equipment.
0: Uh, Yeah, mostly. Most, oh, so was there, was there damage uh, or missing there's, things? Um, there's one piece that I, I think is probably still usable. I'm waiting to hear back from the manufacturer. It's not a tank, um, just something else that we ordered. Um, but uh, just a little bit of cracked casing on oh. one of them. Um, so I, I think it's okay. But uh, we're waiting to hear um, from them to ensure before we fire it up. Yeah. Um, you know. Okay. Because I don't, I don't want to make anything worse. Yeah. If it's if it's truly bad, so.
1: And I and I saw you. You also sent me a picture. You you texted me a picture of your uh, of your your chiller. So that's gonna be exciting. You'll be able to, to chill those things down to the right uh, temperatures. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm so excited to get that thing fired up. Um, but I, I got to get glycol and other stuff. Um, but I, once I get everything in, um, I'll be able to use it now. Yeah. Um and stop using my cooler with ice in it. So.
1: <laughs> and that'll be awesome. <laughs> oh, that'll be good. That'll be good. Okay. All right, well, that's a pretty good update about the brewery. Um how about some new and overly beers? I know again, a short turnaround, but was there any chance you you had a couple beers that you want to talk about? Uh almost no. Um but
0: I I, I had a really busy week and I was just we were ending up emptying the fridge like we had drank it down to nothing and uh just drinking some of the uh test batches that we've done including a a saison that i don't know if i mentioned last time but um it's coming along it's really nice i'm enjoying it um and it was my first crack at a saison uh and i think it's really good personally nice so um really happy with that but uh in terms of things that people actually care about, for now, um, you know, check back in a few months about that saison. But um, I didn't have anything until today, <laughs> and uh, so these are two of the of my four beers of the last two hours. Um, <laughs> so today, I I brewed this morning. I got up and brewed through like I don't know one one thirty, maybe two o'clock. And then immediately got in the car, went to the brewery to do some more demo and cut up some old rusty shelves that we can't use because they're rusty. Um, so they, they'll they get uh, nixed by the health department for mm. the kitchen. Okay. Um, so we have to get new shelves, which is unfortunate. But on the plus side, I get to use the Sawzall to just tear through all these shelves, which is all. <laughs> so that's fun. Um So I did all this and I'm, I mean, it's hot. It's hot here. It's hot at the brewery. Um, All the ACs are currently offline because we're um, having folks out quite often to look at the HVAC system. So um, I just leave it in the state that the construction folks want it in so that they don't come in assuming that it's off and Mm -hmm. it's on. And, you know, I just don't want to touch it. i leave it alone. So it was hot at the brewery. It's hot here it was a hot brew day and come home and in the fridge uh Kristen had picked up uh from homestead brewing um which i mentioned that was the the pilsner that i had in Mm -hmm. the uh, uk yeah it's the brewery across from my office that i still only have gone in to fill up the uk i'm really failing at this whole having a brewery next to the office thing yeah um but it's their summer wheat so the homestead summer wheat and um It's just American wheat beer uh, with orange peel and coriander. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, I I specify American wheat beer because this is definitely that, like, clean American wheat, like, doesn't have the clove and the banana. banana, Like, it's just a clean wheat profile with that orange and coriander, which it's kind of... I guess it's kind of a wit beer, yeah. but with a clean yeast, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tell you what, this was really refreshing. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, light and easy to drink. The The orange notes were just just right for this type of beer. And it, it was the perfect thing, you know, coming off all this work to just like, all right, I can relax and just enjoy this beer and I, I ended up putting it back pretty fast because it was so easy to drink um but uh yeah i really I really enjoyed this one so if you know if you're in the Heath Ohio area um you can you can pick this one up uh although well, actually if you're in if you're in ohio they they do a pretty decent distribution um at least around central Ohio they're there their largest brewery in, in Lincoln County they actually do i think this year they're slated for like 4000 barrels oh, okay um, so uh not bad for our county i'd say anyway
1: do they package also or just keg uh
0: they they package i had this out of a bottle okay from the store so um that they they actually started with the intent of being a packaging brewery oh um, okay so like a production facility, they, they do have a tap room now, but they added that like two years after they opened, uh, they carved out a little bit of their building to put in a little tap room. Um, and, uh, for like really busy days, they actually will set up tables in the brewery, mm. um, after they're done working to like expand their, their tap room space. Wow.
1: So. Well, they got a good following then. Yeah. Which
0: is good. Cause it's really hard to find. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to get to. Um, which is fine for a production facility that yeah. you planned on opening up. But <laughs> once you added the tap room, it, it's a little bit of a wrinkle. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, once you know how to get there, it's a, it's a nice spot. So, um, yeah, so then I, I followed up this summer wheat uh, with a new IPA from Mad Tree. And we've talked about Matt Tree in the past. Mm-hmm. I know our, our buddy over at the 40 Cast, uh, Devious Mr. Matt, he's a big fan of the Psychopathy mm-hmm. um, IPA over there. And uh, this one is their Entropic Theory IPA, um, which uh, I picked up today on my way home from Demo at the brewery. And uh, I'd, I'd heard people talking about this beer and so I was like, "All right, I got to pick this up, see what it's about." And um, it was very delicious. <laughs> um, big orange character, tons of citrus, and uh, another one that I put back pretty fast, um, which you know is not not normal for me. Um, but uh, I don't know; these were tasting tasting great today, but. Uh, the, the so I picked this up in a can, and the artwork on it is pretty awesome. Um, it's it's kind of like uh like a circuit board, um, and like a circuit boardy hop on the front, um, which is pretty cool. I don't know. It looks sweet if you're in Ohio and maybe Kentucky. I'm not sure what Mattree's full uh, distribution network is, but. Um, I do I, I really enjoyed this one. I hope they keep it around. I don't know if this is just a seasonal or if something they're adding to their lineup. Um, but yeah, definitely worth it.
1: Yeah, so. yeah. I'll well, I'll have to try it whenever I make it out there. How come you didn't yeah. post a picture on your Untapped with the can?
0: Uh, because I I forgot.
1: Okay. I, you got me all intrigued by uh, explaining the the, the well, artwork. you
0: know, with the new app, maybe I can edit a photo in. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, all right. So now I have to go find you again and uh, check out the photo. Well, since I tagged you in it and you commented, I'll just comment, like, "Hey, Danny, there's a photo here," and then it'll it'll prompt you. Okay. Because I'm that I'm that good of a
1: friend. I will. Yeah. I will do that. That's awesome. Or he, or you could just text me the picture too. that would be fine
0: yeah but then I leave I leave everybody hanging
1: <laughs> that's true that's
0: true Wow oh. well oh, that's I think that's it for me um since all I've done is drank in the last two hours so um, how about you I, I I assume you've drank for more than the last two hours
1: Yeah yeah I've been drinking pretty much for ten days straight uh, a lot of beers but honestly uh, there hasn't been too many really noteworthy beers that I really want to talk about. And I also, like you, John, you had two that you talked about. I have two that I want to talk about also, and that was the ones I had. Well, I had one in the middle of the week and then one last night. And the first one is the one uh, that I I had in the middle of the week, and this is part of the Sierra Nevada Beer Camp Across the World uh, sample pack. I was able to get a hold of a 12-pack of that, and um, I – I'll tell you what, most of the beers, I've, I have two left of the 12-pack. I have a, a Barley Wine and I have a Imperial Porter. Those are the last two I haven't drank, but I drank everything else. So far, out of the 10 that I've drank, there's been two that I wasn't so fond of and eight that were really, really good beers that were like uh, that were really enjoyable. So, again, if you guys had a chance to get this sample pack, I hope you did and you enjoy it because I really have enjoyed it. And John, I, 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 have I know not you haven't been, been able to get it. it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I have called around and they're like, no, we sold all of ours. So I don't know if they just didn't get in very many, um, but I just can't find it locally. That, I think I may, I may have missed
1: out already. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, then don't listen to the next uh, two minutes because I'm going to talk about probably like the best, one of the best beers in the pack that I had. And it was the. Collaboration, oh, <laughs> oh, wonderful! <laughs> <laughs> it's the collaboration with uh, Boneyard Beer, and you guys know how much I love Boneyard Beer out of Bend, Oregon. And they did uh, the uh, West Coast style double IPA, and just again, at, and and what's interesting is when you if, if you drink this cold, it takes on a different character. But when you let it warm up, that's when all the flavors and and stuff come out this, this thing is very complex and even when I first drank it I was like okay um, this is a I'll give this a four and, you know four is pretty good and then uh, but then as I was drinking it by the time I finished it and it warmed up I ended up giving it a four and a half cap rating because the flavors and the complexity of the beer were so amp- like increased so much over the time it got warm that I I just really appreciate it, and I think Kevin also had the same experience. He he was drinking it, and, and at first he wasn't so sure about it, but that by the time he finished it, it, it was like, yeah, this is a good beer. And uh, so, yeah, this is the the one I really wanted to... I hope that the people that did get the, uh, the sample pack enjoyed this one as well, and if you did, let me know. If you didn't, let me know. Let me know what you didn't like about it, because this is right in... In perfect style with Boneyard beers. Beers. I mean, they, that's exactly the kind of beer that the, the IPAs they make. It's just really flavorful and complex, and and very good, very tasty. Yeah, and if you didn't like it,
0: let me know. I'll send you my address and send you. <laughs> <it.
1: So>. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the first beer. Uh, the second beer I had last night, and I went to a ta- I went out with my buddy Alex. We hit a couple breweries. Then we went to uh, the homebrew stuff. A store, they were having a, a tasting event, a going away party for one of the guys that's been there for a long time. And they had a lot of different beers. Some were good, some were not so good. But one of the ones that stuck out above and beyond on the whole tasting was they opened up a bottle of Firestone Walker's Sticky Monkey uh, 2017, which is a Belgian version. And the Sticky Monkey is a Belgian quad. And I've had this beer before, I think I had it before untapped. Or I had it, I don't know. I've had this beer before, but I I didn't rate it again. I must have either untapped as removing my ratings or I forget to rate the beer. But I, I had it before and I and I enjoyed it, but I didn't realize how much I enjoyed it until I had it again, last night. Because this beer is just really really well done. I mean, great flavor, very smooth, not too boozy, very high alcohol. I forget what it was like. I don't know, 14.7 or something like that. Maybe I'm totally out of lunch, but it seemed like it was pretty high. Uh, But my gosh, it was fantastic. I gave it a a 4.5 cap rating uh, according to the Belgian quad style, which I do enjoy. Now, John, you've had the Sticky Monkey before, right? Did you enjoy that beer?
0: Uh, I actually haven't had it by itself. I've had it blended a number of times. Oh, in the anniversary ones, yeah. In their anniversary and a couple of their events I've been to they've had other like one off type things um but no i I'd, I'd be very interested in having this solo so
1: yeah yeah it's uh do you guys get firestone walker um in ohio in your area
0: i haven't seen it but i haven't been looking
1: for it okay but i don't think so yeah it's it, probably not and it's uh, oh it's 13% so i was a little bit high so 13% abv and you know what uh I mean you can tell there's a little bit of alcohol in it, but it's it for that much alcohol it was very smooth and and not not boozy uh, I enjoyed it so i want I want to pass that on to our listeners to uh go try that if you want to try a very good Belgian quad all right well that's the noteworthy beers from John and I guess what again quick turnaround we we really didn't have much feedback from the community so we're gonna go ahead and move past that but let everyone know, if you do want to write in, you want to ask us questions, you want to comment about things that we say on the podcast, you want to comment about things we post on Untapped or on the Facebook page, or you just want to interact with us, tell us your, your story, we would love to hear from you, and you can do that a number of ways. You can contact us through email at TapTheCraft at gmail.com, or on Twitter, we're at Tap the craft. And, of course, if you are on Facebook, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com tapthecraft. And we have a very interactive group on there that, that love to, to chat us up and, and, and include us in a lot of their beer conversation. And Chris McKenzie, our admin, he loves to interact with you guys, too. And we want to thank Open Forum Radio Network for supporting the show. They provide our hosting space at openforumradio.com. And if you enjoy the content that John and I put out, then we know you will find other great content like the following.
2: Hey, you. Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny and John. Now, I know you're a crafty consumer. And if you would like to consume other great podcasts, check out openforumradio.com. We house such podcasts as Open Forum Radio Proper, The 40 Cast, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, Just Press Start, the Married Gamers, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Lost Treasures of Gaming, Prime Time, My Peanut Gallery, and many, many more. And please remember to leave these fine fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this show. Again, thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft.
1: Okay, now it's time for our brewery startup segment. And this week we're going to discuss the process of recipe scaling from homebrew capacity to commercial 15-barrel capacity. And since John is going through this thought process right now, I think it's great to try to see his thoughts on how he is going to scale up his homebrew recipes up to the the bigger scale. So most homebrewers, they start off with 5-gallon kits, and that's what John started off with. And again, with the 5-gallon kits, a standard kit, a lot of recipes can be found online that, you know that provide just the right amount of ingredients and everything you need for a five-gallon batch. So it's really easy to find a bunch of different recipes that are for five gallons uh, capacity. That's great when you're just brewing small batches, but what happens when you want to either step up your homebrew to a bigger capacity or go into commercial capacity? we got to figure out how we can scale our homebrewing recipes up from five gallons to higher. So, John, you have already done an upscaling process from five to 10 gallons before you even started the decision to have your own home or your own commercial brewery. So I, I have some questions that I'm curious on what process you went through in, in doing that, you know, just going a small scale uh, upgrade. So what was the process that you used to scale your recipes from five to 10 back when you did it then? Um, So I actually use brewing software
0: uh, for, keeping track of all my recipes and doing a lot of the calculations that you need when when you're doing it and so I actually used my, my software to scale up my recipes and um I use uh BeerSmith mm-hmm. uh, which a lot of homebrewers will be familiar with it's probably uh the most used uh homebrew software right now uh, it gets uh A lot of updates, they have a lot of stuff that you can work into it. Um, But uh, so I use that. And for scaling in that software, you basically set up equipment profiles. So you say, okay, this is my current setup. I have, you know, a nine gallon kettle and I can boil this much in it. And when I transfer out, this much is left behind and uh, all, all these different variables that you can set up and Mm -hmm. then you do that for each you know set of equipment and you say okay i have this recipe that i was doing on this five gallon you know equipment setup i'm now taking it to this 10 gallon setup and so what's that look like and it'll do the calculation for you and then you can make adjustments as be because you know it's it's just doing a you know by the numbers you know, change, but then you might end up with, well, I need something point, you know, six to eight grams mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. some, you know, of this hop or, you know, whatever. So you say, okay, I'm going to round that to this number yeah. and I'll make this other adjustment to account, you know, so you, there's a little bit of figuring that you need to do because we just don't have the, the ways to measure out to some of that stuff that mm-hmm. it, it would say is this is the right number. Um, but, uh, so that's, that's what I do right now. And, and for me, I mean, lately, I mean, I, I mean, initially I took my, my cooler mash ton and transferred everything to five gallons with my current system. And then with that system, I said, oh, well, I can actually do 10 gallons with that. So I, you know, modified, I made a new profile based mm-hmm. off that system with, pretty much all the same stats but i want double the amount so i just made a new one and the changes aren't as drastic as some other things mm-hmm. um, for that so um it from five to ten was easy for me but from five to five actually there's a lot of differences just in in how efficient your system can be okay so,
1: Okay, so it's not necessarily just it. it all uh, this is something I didn't realize is that it's it's equipment and it's what you're using to to boil your water, whether you're using a electric burner or a gas burner or a, a kit like you have where you have a, a controller that actually uses a, a a temperature controller and everything to to manage everything. So I guess I didn't realize that. Yeah, that makes a big difference uh, on how you know how your system works. Can can change the way the beer is uh, is made, so that's that's good. Now, as far as the quantity, like from going from five to ten, it's not just double the malt, double the hops, and 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 double the water, uh, and then the time, you know, double the time. I mean, I don't. That's not the way it works, right? It's it's it's. it's I mean, because you're, it's all based on the amount of sugars you can get out of the grains, and I don't know if it's necessarily. Proportional that you you have to use twice the amount of malt to get to twice the amount of sugars is is that true What's the the factors that play into to the amount of ingredients that you need and the time that you need to uh, to make things work? So um,
0: so quantities we can start with that. Yeah. Uh, grain and yeast are very close to one to one. Okay. Like in terms of scaling. Um, But that, I mean, if you're changing a complete different set of equipment, you're going to have different efficiencies Mm -hmm. and that will change your grain amount. But grain is really close, you know, one-to-one. Yeast is all dependent on how much sugar you have at the end. So uh, it will just scale with that amount. So if you have five gallons at this gravity and then you have 10 gallons that that same gravity well you'll need double that yeast but that, okay. that's all it cares about okay. is the total amounts of sugar um so th- those are relatively simple um hops is actually less you need less per barrel um as you scale up and uh that's due to efficiencies gained in in larger volumes um and i I've read about it a long time ago I need to brush up on this, but uh hops uh transition into the like they isomerize more efficiently um, in larger volumes mm. um, so you need less hops like i uh for my vanilla stout say uh, my bittering addition at five gallons is uh. ounces of hops, uh, for 10 gallons of that same beer on the same equipment, I need, uh, Mm 1.4 ounces. Okay. Okay. So, you know, double would be 1.6. Yeah. Right. So I I need 0.2. So I don't know, an eighth less, Mm -hmm. something like that Yeah. on the fly math. Shouldn't do that. No, no, Um, you're right. But uh, (laughs) you're right.
1: Hey, you're right on top. (laughs) All right,
0: there we go. Yes, I'm smart. Let's remember that for the rest when I mess things up. Okay. Um, But uh, so hops, you do need to you would need to use a little bit less. Um, And obviously, the you know the larger the change, the more dramatic that difference is going to be. I don't don't know that you know one eighth is really the number mm-hmm. as you go, it might just be with my equipment, the way it's set up that that's the number. Yeah. Um, so there's going to be things I have to adjust as, as we go. Um, I think time was another thing you mentioned. Yeah. The
1: time is it take um, the same amount of time or do you have to increase the time for like getting the, the sugars out of that malt. Um, time is the same for your
0: boil, your mash, all that stuff. The, difference is it takes longer to transfer it takes longer to cool um but not so dramatically that uh you know it you know it hinders or actually it gets anywhere close to double Mm -hmm. from like a five to a ten um i mean i did a five gallon batch today um and I think I I was at like five hours, maybe four and a half hours, something like that. And I did a ten gallon batch the week before, the week and a half before, at five and a half hours. Oh, okay. You know, it, it's not that different mm-hmm. as you as you scale that. I mean, obviously, when I go ten gallons to fifteen barrels. Mm-hmm my chilling time, uh, you know, but I also have a bigger chiller. Yeah. I have bigger pumps that can move things faster, yeah. you know. yeah. So it's not it's not going to be 15 times or, you know, 30 times, you know, longer to do all this transfers. Okay. Um, so time is not, not that big of a, of a deal.
1: Okay. Okay. And the temperature stays the same. Uh, you know, if you use 158, it's still 158. In in terms of the brew day,
0: yes, all those temperatures are the same. Um, when you get to fermentation, uh, you actually might have to ferment a little warmer um, the bigger you get uh, because there's more pressure put on the yeast. So, um, you know, the larger the tank, the pressure at the bottom of that tank has a lot of liquid sitting on it. Mm-hmm. Right so it's putting a lot of pressure on on the 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 bottom end of that tank, so um you know when when you hear a breweries uh fermenting something at you know sixty eight degrees, well, if you want to copy that beer on a hungry level, you might actually have to ferment that at like sixty six okay um to kind of settle the yeast down a little bit because the the warmer the temperature is, the more active the yeast will be, okay, okay. um. So, things like that, but in terms of brew day, no, the temps are all the same.
1: Okay. Good. Now, how about some lessons learned from your experience just going from the 5 to 10? I know we kind of you kind of talked about a little bit of it, but is there any anything that you would give as advice to other homebrewers out there that are thinking about upscaling their brew system that you, that might save them some time or effort or just lesson learned that you've had?
0: Um my biggest lesson learned from my system, and you know, keep in mind, my five to ten is the same equipment, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, and that equipment is designed for ten gallon batches. Yeah, I can I can do five on it, um, but what I found is that that equipment is not as efficient doing five as oh, okay. it is ten. So, what I have to do when I'm doing a five gallon batch is I have to add a little extra grain. To get the same gravity as okay. I would, um, if you know, if I just did a scale, like, and I, I think it's due to when I'm in the mash, um, my, I have a really shallow grain bed um, for five gallons um, relative to to ten. Mm-hmm. So I get what's termed uh, channeling, where the the liquid as it pulls through during the sparge, you know, it picks the easiest way to get through well if with the shallow bed it's easy if it's not completely level that there's a spot that it'll try to get through faster than the rest of the bed and so that'll pull basically you know water that doesn't grab a lot of sugars on its way through the through the grain
2: okay
0: um so because of that i need to add a little extra grain and kind of balance that out a little bit so it doesn't channel as easily, and if it does, there's you know more sugar to to take with it. Okay, um, but really the the biggest lesson is to really pay attention to what's happening. You know, do all your measurements, write them all down, review it, and not after one batch, but after five or six batches, so you have a good you know, set of numbers to look at and say, okay, uh, this is what I used to get and this is what I'm getting now. What adjustments do I need to make? Mm-hmm. Okay. And and that's the biggest thing. Take notes.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and that's, you know, for everything, because that's how you know, well, this turned out to be the best beer I ever did and I have no idea how yeah. I did it, <laughs> but if I had taken notes, I might be able to reproduce that. Yeah. You know, so that that's kind of, I don't know, It should be brewing one hundred and one. Yeah,
1: take notes. Take notes. Yeah, have a notebook. Write down everything. Okay, so now, John, you're getting ready to upscale it again. You're going to have your pilot system, which is a one barrel or thirty-three gallon system, and then you're also going to be scaling up to, you know, the big, the big boy. The first time. Brews coming out of the 15 barrel system when you get that installed. So we already you already kind of went over the process of doing just a small scale. Does that process the same when you are going to you know, send up up that uh, that scale even even you know, bigger like 15 barrels? Is it the same you know double the malt and and, uh, and uh, you know the hops will be a little bit less I mean I, and are you going to use the same software or is there a different method that you're going to be using? Um, I'm going to try to use the software
0: and I, I'm not sure. I've heard that people can use it at a pro level and I'm sure it's just a matter of creating the right equipment profile Mm
2: -hmm. and,
0: and getting it in there so that it understands what it needs to calculate. Um, you know, if I have to, I have all those, I, I know all those equations. I have them all. I just don't do them because I'm we'll say lazy. Yeah, you want No, let's not say lazy. Let's say <laughs> I like efficiency. Yeah. But I don't need to spend all the time doing that if I can just plug it in and, you know, it'll pop up. So, I mean, I I can do that. I'm capable of doing that, but if if I can, I'm just going to use the same software I'm comfortable with it. I have all my recipes already in there, so if I get the equipment profiles right, I can scale it and I know how it'll come across, or very close. Okay. You know? um, now, the uh, equipment profile for the one barrel, it's going to be easier because I'm essentially taking my current system and just tripling it. Mm-hmm. Um, it all works the same. Every you know, So that should be pretty easy for me to do. The 15 barrel, there's a lot of new pieces of equipment. It's going to take some adjustment, to get it right and to get it where we're happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, and in all honesty, it may not be the exact same beer as a homebrew when I do it as a homebrew. Okay. But if I brew it and it tastes good and we say, you know what, this is you know as good or better, even though it might be a little different, it's as good or better, so we're going to move forward and we're going to make this the new vanilla stout. Or we're going to make this, then, you know, it might not be the same thing that I brewed before, but it's at least of the same quality, you know, and that's what's important. We have to have quality. Um, The profile might be a little different, but as long as it tastes like a vanilla stout that we are happy with and that we feel we can repeat for everybody, then that's what we'll do. So,
1: all right. So, then what you're saying is that most commercial brewers they they figure out all the recipes using equations you know ha- hand done equations is that what they're using they bust their calculator out they mark down the this you know whatever scale they're going from and then I mean what is there a book that you guys use to tell you you know how you're supposed to come up with these numbers
0: um, well there's no book about scaling um, but there's books about I mean every homebrew book up to professional book will have equations of this is how you calculate what your gravity will end up as, you know, if you put all these grains in, you know, so you, you take your grain, it, it's going to provide this much sugar per pound of grain. Um, so you take that into whatever your volume of water is, and then you have this amount of sugar. Um, so really so any software could deal with that. They, they know the equation, they know, as long as it has the right inputs, it can provide the output. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there are a lot of brewers that do it by hand. Um, there's a lot of breweries that have their own spreadsheets. Okay. Uh, that, that contain all of how their equipment works. Yeah. Um, but it, it's really what works for you, you know. Um, and as long as you have a system that works and provides you a, a quality product, then you're good to go.
1: Okay, so so now the question is, you you've already mentioned that you're getting this equipment. And you don't have any experience on brewing at a fifteen barrel capacity, and the question is, are you seeking out local help from other breweries in the area, or even the brewery you're buying the equipment from, to say, hey, do you mind, uh, you know, coming over and, and my first batch and and making sure that. What I have set up, it makes sense, or at least run the numbers by them. Or, I mean, is there any going to be any assistance or guidance from any brewer that has experience?
0: Um, so, the folks I'm getting the equipment from, I'm we are scheduling uh, some days where I'll go and essentially shadow and be free labor uh, for them. On their brew day, okay, uh, so that I, you know, can understand the way the system works. You know how everything um, plays with each other. Uh, I mean, essentially, at the end of the day, they're really big kettles with some pumps and a heat exchanger to get to the fermenter. Um, you know, there's differences in how it's heated. I have I'll have to learn uh, how to manage a boiler and uh, deal with the steam, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's going to be the The biggest piece um, is just don't break that stuff, Uh, you know, to be glib about it. But, uh, you know, I'm confident that we can make that transition. And everybody I've talked to has been super helpful. So, you know, even if I'm mid-brew day and I have an oh shit moment, um, I could call people and I could get an answer. Okay. Uh, So uh, and that's the nice thing about you know, the whole craft beer scene. We've talked about, you know, people are helpful, they collaborate and, you know, that extends to day to day operations. I mean I, I haven't been there yet, but I've tons of stories and and talked to people I was like, oh yeah, we needed a three bags of Pilsner malt and we called around and somebody uh, set them aside. And we ran over there with our truck and picked them up and saved the brew day. Or we need we needed yeast. Our yeast went bad, and so we had to get some yeast. And you know, ex brewery provided us with yeast.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so that stuff goes on. And so um, I, I'm not concerned that that we won't be able to to get help. And even with help, it's going to be an adjustment period and learning curve um, for you know making those transitions and and understanding how things work at that scale. Yeah. Um but I'm gonna take good notes. I'm gonna know
1: what's going on and
0: and we'll quickly dial it in. Okay. I'm not you know I'm not worried about that part.
1: Okay. All right. All right. Well I think that's enough of the scaling stuff. Now let's I have some questions just concerning some of the materials and ingredients that you'll be using. You know now you can't just walk down to the homebrew store and grab, you know, an extra pack of uh, of hops or 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 you know another pound or two of of grains. You, you're going to be brewing these beers on a big scale. So the question is, have you already been thinking about getting your malt and your hop suppliers lined up, uh, you know, for supplying the stuff you need to make sure you have the ingredients when you're getting ready to brew and are there any kind of like long-term like contract agreements from your suppliers uh, to make sure that you're always going to have you know these materials available on a regular basis?
0: Uh, kind of, and we will need them. Okay. Uh, the long-term contracts. Okay. So we've been talking to uh, Brewer Supply, like Brewing Supply groups and things like that. Like there are companies that. Uh, deal in malt and hops and yeast at a bulk scale. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've been talking to some of them on getting things set up. Uh, They prefer that they talk to folks that are a little closer to opening, even though, you know, we, I mean, it feels like we're close to opening, but from a, we need to supply you with things, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not that close to opening. Yeah. Um, So we've been talking to folks. We have an idea of, you know, who we might be going with. Um, But, uh, you know, they they can supply us at those bulk prices. And at at our size, you know, we kind of still need an intermediary to get what we need, you know, at the size we need it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, as we grow, we'll be able to do more at the, you know, direct level. And that'll mostly be in hops, um, hops and yeast. Yeast, we'll, we'll probably do direct right away. Um, hops will probably start through a group and then end up as we grow, maybe talk, being able to talk to farms directly in terms of getting, a a, those contracts. But even through these groups, you can, you can arrange the contracts and then, you know, your amount is contracted to your supplier and your supplier gives it to you. Okay. Um, but you're able to leverage, you know, maybe they have that hop under contract for, you know, 20 breweries. So you can get it down a little bit cause you're kind of buying in, in a bigger package.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, but yeah, we, we have that, that stuff going on. And unfortunately the smaller you are, the harder it is to get a, a term contract that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because, you know, the growth of a lot of these breweries has been explosive and, you know i think that's going to slow and we've seen that slowing as as an industry um but uh you know you you also aren't demanding the amounts that dictate a, a contract yeah and even if you had this contract for say 200 pounds well when they're 10% short of their you know thousands of acres well, Your 200 pounds is the first to get cut because oh. you, you don't, you don't pay the bills. Yeah. You know, the Sierra Nevadas, the, the, the other big, the big guys that buy a ton of hops, they pay the bills, they get their hops first. Okay. And you know, that's the way it goes. And I, I wouldn't, I mean, if I was a hop farmer, I wouldn't do it any different, yeah. you know, yeah. but, um, it's just, it's the way it is and you have to account for that. But, uh, Yes. Yeah, so anyway, at our size, we'll mostly be using a, a wholesaler, essentially.
1: Okay. So you, you just mentioned that there might be a time when you, your hops and malt may get cut. You know, you might not get what you want. But even before that happens, you know, you said you have to adjust to, to whatever happens, you'll have to adjust recipes. But just in, in the time you've been looking at your recipes that you're planning on doing and in looking at what's available. From your wholesaler, do you see that there's any issues with either the hops or the malts that you need that you'll have to be changing up a little bit, and that you know in the recipe to accommodate what you can get? Like you know, if there's no mosaic hops available and you have a certain beer that uses that, now you have to adjust for a different hop. Have you run across that yet in your in your plans? Um, So I've been looking into it a little
0: bit. Uh, Largely, right now we're trying to plan with beers that don't require those like super sexy hops Mm -hmm. that we anticipate as being, you know, mainstays because because we're not big enough. Yeah. Now, I mean, we might be able to spot buy those hops for a lot of money. (laughs) Um, but I don't feel like paying $40 a pound for a lot of the stuff that I need to be making all the time. Yeah. Um, and so uh, malt, it's not as big of an issue. Uh, there have been years where malt has suffered um, crop-wise, but it's not something you need to worry about as often as you do hops. Okay. Um, now, for some hops, there are ways to uh, get around it, like and kind of create the profile that a certain hop might provide by doing mixes of different other hops, like. Oh, for Amarillo, you need, you know, X amount cascade and Y amount, you know, this other hop. And then you can get really close to, mm-hmm. you know, what Amarillo would provide. So you could, you know, if you can't get Amarillo, you could come out with this. And, you know, if you can get it close enough, then you could still produce that beer. Okay. Um, so there's ways around it. Um I'm kind of you know I'm, I'm as I come across it I'm making notes of it but uh it's not my 100% focus right now because it's not an issue right now. We have a lot of other things that are issues right now. Okay. Um in in other areas of opening the brewery.
1: Yeah. So. All right. I was just uh just curious. I'm sure we'll we'll hear more about it once you run into the problem uh later on, so Okay, one last question for you, Uh, and this has to do with water. We know that water is very important in the brewing process. So have you had your water tested to find out what is in it, and are you going to use some kind of filtering or reverse osmosis and then add minerals to it to get a certain characteristic that you're looking for in your beers? (laughs) Um. So water
0: is a tricky issue and the water is very different from Seattle to mm-hmm. where we are right now. Yeah. And I've noticed this in some of the beers that i brewed that I just, I had the recipe. I wanted to brew it. I just wanted to get it into people's hands so that I could get some feedback, you know, in this market essentially of this beer that I lo- brewed and liked in Seattle. Mm-hmm. You know, what do people out here like about it or don't like about it more importantly. Um, And the water is very different. And I've noticed, you know, differences from the same recipe, Um, even with, you know, some of the stuff I brought with me. I brought ingredients with me and brewed some of those beers with the exact same ingredients. Um, But the water's a lot harder here and... Uh hard water can bring out a uh, sharper bitterness mm-hmm. um, that has a bit more of a bite um than in in softer water uh so I actually have a water test kit I'm working through right now whether water adjustments are the right way to go or if there's ways I can just manipulate the hops maybe maybe i could maybe I need to use less hops maybe if I dial back my bitterness addition a little bit you know, it won't be as bitey and it'll still provide the bitterness necessary for the beer. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm working through some of that right now, Um, but I might end up uh, doing some water adjustments. Um, And most likely, if I need to dial things back, it would be filter uh, rather than RO water. Um, RO is just very expensive Mm-hmm. to set up and maintain and, and keep going. So yeah. um most likely I would I would do either a filter uh or a filter and maybe some minerals to soften it up mm-hmm. a okay. little bit. Um and I've actually I just got a big shipment of that stuff to, to start playing with. Okay. So good. You can figure it out.
1: Yeah, because I think the key to consistency, especially as I know in some areas the water changes from season to season depending on what's going on, you know during that season. And you might be able to have a, a water that has a certain characteristics during summer and then when it gets to winter time the the water, you know, maybe gets a little bit harder or, you know, something changes in it, gives it a little bit different flavor profile and, and so I know so you definitely important to to figure out Uh, how the water works and, and make sure you have consistent minerals and and stuff in there so that you, you can get the consistency of the beer.
0: Yeah. And, you know, along with just the content of the water changes, some places change sources mid year. Oh, wow. Um, you know, through the winter, they, they pull water from a different place or they, so you, you really need to know where your water comes from. Um, as a brewery, because it's it is a big piece of, of what you're providing. I mean, water is like ninety percent of beer, yeah, and that's a that's a big piece. <laughs> now, as uh, you know, as if if you're homebrewing and starting out, don't worry about your water. Mm-hmm. Worry about your your cleanliness, your sanitization. You know, being consistent in your other processes, and you know, if you feel like you've dialed all that in. Then dive into your water. Yeah, um, but there there are other things that'll be much more important um, at the end of the day, th- mostly because they're they're easier to do wrong. Yeah, than water. I mean, almost any water you can drink is good for making beer, um, but you just might have to adjust your recipe or do something else. So so really, it's about your process, you know, to start. And you know, I may find that I need to adjust my process. Okay. And and that may be what I need to do, but I got to take good notes. I got to pay attention to what's happening and, you know, make changes that are necessary to make the best beer possible. Okay. So that's the way we have to go about it.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, John, I think that is pretty well sums up the process of scaling your beer to a commercial capacity. So if any listeners out there have other questions that I didn't uh, come up with, Please let us know. We'll answer them on the uh, next show. Okay, John, we have a couple articles provided by our buddy, David Makazuki, off of Facebook. And the first article was... I, I don't want to talk too much on it. I just thought it was very interesting. Um, and this one, I've been wanting to get in the show for about three episodes now. It's like the fourth episode. We finally got it in there but because we run out of time. But now we have time. We can cover these articles briefly. But the first article is our non-alcoholic beers set for a comeback? And I thought this was interesting because there was a time back in the 70s, uh, early 80s, where there was a, a huge amount of non-alcoholic beers being presented out there. I, for what reason, I don't really know, I guess for you know for designated drivers, uh, people who want to drink beer but not get drunk so they can you know do other stuff, uh, whatever. They, they had a lot of that going on. Um, but you know what? The, the key is, is none of those beers were very good. You know, it was kind of like the macro version of, of a macro beer, but a, a non alcoholic version of that macro beer. And they just didn't have the, you know, they weren't very drinkable. But this article kind of goes in to say, hey, um, if there's a process that some of these brewers are working on to try to remove alcohol from the beer, yet still give you that craft beer flavor that we love, Uh, Is that something that's going to become a a thing? You know, are are craft breweries going to look into brewing at least one beer that has low alcohol or no alcohol in it so that when people come that don't want to drink, let's say a a lady's pregnant and she likes the taste of beer, she wants to have her her porter, but she doesn't want to have that alcohol to affect the baby, that now she has an option to drink a really good porter, that doesn't have the alcohol in. Or if you have a designated driver that is, you know, that wants to be able to participate with his friends and drink a good beer, but not get drunk, they have that option. So John, what do you think? Is this something that, I mean, I, I have some thoughts on it myself, but uh, I want to hear your thoughts on it. If this is something that might enter into, if, it, if they come up with a process that's easy to do, uh, is this something that would you consider in your brewery or what is no. your thoughts on it? <laughs> no.
0: Um and I, I don't think it's gonna be widespread either. Um I mean consider craft beer been around a really long time and they you know, you have people finally deciding, well, you know, we're gonna show that, you know, some of these lighter lagers or, you know, just your standard American lager can be produced with flavor. Um really that's done as a way to say, you know, F you to the big breweries that are doing these beers say, we can do these just as well. Don't try to portray us as people that can't, you know, brew these beers. We, we can do them and we can do them just as well or better than you. Um, you know, it's more like a, a, like a challenge, I would say. Um, For the non-alcoholic beers, there's no reason. Um, The, the craft, the craft beer market uh, those folks, they're they're not looking for those those types of beers, um, and I I feel like you know I mean some of the examples provided in the article that you know they're dictated by you know local law that says these have to be made, and then they're named as such, like the nanny state IPA from Brewdog. You know they're they're saying we're we're forced to do this, and I mean in order to make a beer that is quality and good and you know tastes uh good and and drinks well you know the way that that folks expect from craft um I I don't know that there are good processes for that yet um I I know there there are things to strip out alcohol and 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 that but I don't know that they they are good um, in terms of for beer quality and and you know I think it involves a lot of a lot of chemical additions and, and other things but you know I I don't know I, I really just don't see this this coming to fruition in in, in the near term at least mm-hmm. maybe down the road as craft takes a large it I say when it. If craft continues the way it does, and you know we all do a good job, I now include myself in that. Um, you know, maybe that becomes a thing that we need to provide. But now, no, I, I don't. I don't think that's the target customer. Um, I don't see that as anybody that um, anybody's chasing after. Like we need to capture this this piece of the market, or we're going to go under. And because of that I don't I just don't see it I just don't see it happening.
1: Okay, well, you know nobody thought that gluten free beers would be produced that were good either. So So and, there, and now there's a lot of uh, decent gluten free beers. So let's I, I would disagree that there's
0: a lot of good gluten free. I'd say you're more aware of the gluten free just due to um Sarah, you know, looking for those. Mm-hmm. Um here in Ohio. I've not seen any of that stuff, but there were much more in Seattle, and that was you know more of an environment for that type of thing. Here, there, there's nothing. I haven't noticed. I haven't seen any of it. Um, I, I just don't think they're as widespread as maybe uh, you'd be led to believe in in certain areas of the country. Okay. Um, the stuff from you know Deschutes, uh, other places, it's just not. Not out there.
1: Well, I mean, so. Stone Delicious IPA is gluten free. I know that one gets around to a lot of places, and um, I mean, there's yeah, yeah, there's plenty, there's plenty of Stone, but I haven't seen that here either.
0: Okay. So, you know, it, it and then maybe this just isn't the market for it. You know, maybe they they brought it here and it didn't sell, and they're like, well, we're not going to send that there anymore. Yeah, you no, know, I I don't know, um, but I. You know, as as much as gluten-free beer has grabbed a hold, it's still a very niche. Yeah. It's still a very, very small piece of the market. No, um, yeah, I agree. And, like, we're talking less than 1%. I, I would willing be, be willing to bet. I don't have any hard numbers, but I'd be willing to
1: bet. Well, yeah, there's five. There's 5,300 craft breweries. So, of course, it's going to be a small percentage because there's only, you know, five or six uh, gluten free breweries probably. I don't know. I have to look up and see how many gluten free breweries there are. And then there's a handful of uh, real breweries that do gluten free stuff. The shoots one is really good. I like the shoots. That well and, and those are gluten reduced. Not reduced. Gluten-free I mean same thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean I mean okay gluten reduced and or gluten free. Uh, the same thing. Like okay, so now I'll bring it back to the, the non alcoholic or reduced alcoholic beers. Let's say The the process was... They come up with a process that's super easy and there's no negative aspects to it. Let's just say that they can make a beer that tastes like a craft beer. It tastes just like your vanilla stout. There's no difference between your vanilla stout that has alcohol and without alcohol. And and the cost is like minimal. You don't see that there's any need to have... I mean, we say we drink craft beer for the flavor, right? Is that not true? Or do we still drink craft beer because we want to get the alcohol in there, and we like the flavor while we get the alcohol. Is that the main reason? Well, yes, the flavor
0: is the reason, but you're talking about this unicorn thing that doesn't exist. No, 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 I'm saying and if it did, it, it, if, if, it, it if, But if it did exist, it would be in use. If, if, it, if the cost was negligible, mm-hmm. like you're saying, if yeah. all this stuff happened, it would already exist because you could sell a lot more beers and somebody could still drive home. Yeah, you know and and, but it doesn't and you know we we've had within the last two years that something came about that they could create these gluten reduced beers um you know that that may or may not feed a need in the market because every you know this whole gluten thing is uh you know some folks have real issues with it and others are you know they decided they have issues with it mm-hmm. um, but uh you know did, you know without some you know miraculous breakthrough in the market I, I just I don't see it coming through as something that that fo- folks are gonna be looking to do yeah or try to create because you know the cost and everything that goes into it you you're then you know for for right now i mean i I can't imagine that trying to create that beer that has, you know, the consistency of something that you want to drink that is not just coming across like, you know, grainy water, mm-hmm. um, is going to be, you know, you're going to be able to produce it in a way that is financially responsible to your customer.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and that you can sell to them without losing your shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, without being at some crazy volume, <laughs> you know, because at the end of the day, it's a it's a volume game. And, you know, you might be able to put in some kind of system, but if you have to put through, you know, four hundred thousand barrels before you even, you know, realize the cost of the system, well, there aren't many craft breweries. that I don't think there's any craft brewery that could do that. Yeah. For a single beer.
1: Yeah. You know, no. No. It just. Yeah, I, I was just playing a devil's advocate. I completely agree with you that this is not going to take off, mainly for the same reasons you've already mentioned. The The cost of producing a high-quality craft beer doesn't change. It, it, you know If you have a, a alcohol craft beer, it's going to cost you the same or more to do a non-alcoholic one. And people, I don't think, really want to pay craft beer prices for a non-alcoholic craft beer. They don't want to pay six dollars for something that doesn't have alcohol, right? You're paying a premium price because you want to get that alcohol content. You don't pay, you don't go out there and pay six bucks for a for a Coca Cola, you know, unless you're at a ballpark <laughs> or a movie theater. But other than that, I mean, honestly, you you just don't do it, right? And so I, I agree. I don't think it's gonna it's gonna come into effect if they come up with a a way of allowing brewers to reduce the alcohol and still have a good product for people that want something that's non-alcoholic? I mean, I've been to a number of breweries that brew root beer. Now, I don't know if they brew root beer in their own brewery system, but they have their own root beer that they make, and they sell it at their brewery. For people that don't want to, uh, you know, have alcohol, they can have a root beer. So, I mean, so there's there's other options. But you're right. I don't think it's going to make a comeback. I thought it was interesting that if they were to come up with a way of, of making the beer reduced enough so that people could enjoy a good quality craft beer when they weren't able to drink, if they're on medication, if they're pregnant, if they just want to be a DD. I mean, there's a number of reasons why, you know, people don't, I mean, I don't think Kristen really enjoyed going nine months without being able to drink beer, you know, for your two children. I mean, she did it because that's the way, you know, no, she didn't. Well, I mean, she, okay, but she wasn't going out drinking (laughs) as much as she was. She reduced her, her content. I'm, fairly sure
0: uh well but it'd be the same with that there'd be a certain amount you could have with you know an alcohol content you know but she'd have a pint of vanilla stout or a glass of wine because that's they've realized that's okay now yeah yeah you know as long as you don't get drunk you're fine
1: yeah so all right well we we kind of beat that one down to uh, pretty hard. But, hey, listener, let us know your thoughts on this topic, if you think uh, it would be something you would, wouldn't would mind seeing or not. All right. The next, the next article that David provided was from uh, – it's called The Top Ten Beers Chosen by Beer Enthusiasts Across the U.S. And this is their, as John pointed out to me earlier, it's their annual uh, top 100 beers list uh, rated by uh, homebrewers, I guess. And uh, this was uh, an article by Malia, uh, Malia Robinson from TheBusinessInsider.com. And uh, it, just, it, it, it just defines the top ten beers right now that have been rated by the American Homebrewers Association. Tens of members. thousands of members. Their, yeah, they're members. Yeah. I thought we'd just quickly go through. And the, the list is interesting. And at the end of the list, I'm going to propose uh, our own list uh, that we can create. So let's just go through this. I'll start it off. number ten beer is from Ballast Point Brewing Company. It's a Sculpin IPA, and uh, it's a good IPA. Uh, nothing wrong with with the regular old Sculpin IPA. Um, any any concerns with that would be on the list, John? That's quality
0: beer. I I think uh, it's probably on this list. It's a mainstay from past. You know, list. I I mean, it's it's a good beer. I think nowadays it might fall a little bit yeah wet. and it's the problem with this is it's all so subjective and that's you know the problem with putting together a list like this and also the beauty of something like this where you have so many different things and even if they're all IPAs they're they're all a little bit different mm-hmm. and you know people like different qualities so yeah. um but no it's a quality beer and you know i think one both of us have had right? If yeah. If you want to keep, keep tally as we go.
1: Yeah. I I so. mean, I'll tell you, I've had eight of the 10 that's on a list, so I can speak to a majority of them, but, uh, but yeah, it's a good IPA. It's, I'm not, when it came in the town a few years ago, I, I tried it and I was like, yeah, this is good. I really enjoyed it. Is it in my top 10? No, probably not. Probably not. I,
0: I would say it's not in my top 10 yeah. either, but that's, yeah. you know, the beauty and our top tens will look completely different. Of course, of course. So, all
1: right, John, so we had a tie for, uh, like eight and nine. So they, they put them at eight. So go ahead and let us know what the, the number eight, first number eight beer is. All right. So that's uh Sierra
0: Nevada celebration, uh, their fresh hop IPA. And, uh, I know this is one that, uh, Kristen and I always picked up. Um, you know, I, from from this podcast people know I was notorious for just getting single bottles at the bottle shop but this is one that we'd get you know at minimum a six pack of every year because mm-hmm. um, we just both enjoyed it so much um so that this is one that would definitely make you know a top list I don't I don't know how deep it would have to go maybe mm-hmm. top 10 but just because I've enjoyed this so regularly yeah um yeah
1: it, it's a great but, it's a great beer that comes out. At the end of the year in Christmas time, so a lot of times it gets wrapped up into the winter warmer uh, type beers because it is a seasonal winter beer. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's a great one. I love it too. Uh, top ten for me, probably not. Um, I mean, it's a it's a beer I'll I'll get a six pack and enjoy, but uh, maybe not top ten. All right, the
0: next one. Yeah, and, and see, oh. this one this one for me is you know it might get you know where. We we talk about beers as as an experience, right? And this one might get a bump for me because it's something I've gotten to experience with Kristen, and it's something that we do together. You know, so it it ties in that emotional aspect to it too. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's all kinds of stuff for for a personal list that that kind of factor in, I guess.
1: Okay. Yeah. For sure. For sure. All right. Number eight or tied for nine, whatever you want to call it, is from the Schutz Brewery. The Fresh Squeezed IPA. And again, a, another IPA and, and another, uh, I mean, a big flavorful citrus and uh, juicy IPA. Uh, I drink a lot of this beer. I'm, I mean, this is a beer that that I'll buy. I, you know, there's some uh, places we visit to go out and eat, and they have this on tap probably pretty much all the time. And I'm always ordering it, so I usually I drink quite a bit of these. It's pretty good. Again... Top ten? I don't know. I don't think it would be my top ten, but we don't know. I haven't made my list yet, so we'll have to see, see how that goes.
0: Yeah. Well, and you know, I, I think I'd agree with you there. And you know, it's something I just kind of thought of is that you you have to think that some of the the things for this list, you know, coming from a national perspective, are either things that a lot of people can get, mm-hmm. right, or the hype is such. That even if they haven't had it, they're like, well, that's got to be one of the best. Yeah. You know, um, which would lead into the first of uh, "Tied for Number Six, which is the <laughs> Alchemist Heady Topper. Yeah. See, see what I did there? Yeah. yeah. You, did you did good. I did great till I called it out yeah. so to see what I did there. Um, <laughs> but, you know, this is clearly a beer that, you know, all the people voting on this list have not had. Mm-hmm. Right. Or even a a healthy percentage have not had um, because you just can't get it. Yeah. Um, But, uh, you know, it's a beer that pretty much spawned a category. Um, It kind of created that New England IPA. Mm -hmm. So, you know, does it get props for that? Sure. In a list like this, in my personal list. Yeah. eh, I don't know.
1: Yeah, we'll see.
0: No, I, we'll I see mean, when we make ours. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, we'll see what we make ours. Uh, a great beer, I will say, it's a great beer. Uh, it it is coveted, and I'm lucky enough to have tried it, and I enjoy it. But again, I think it's a it's a beer of its time. You know, back when it was first out there, it was something that nobody else did, and so it's very unique. And now I've had things that are similar, and I think do a better job of what they were trying to do, or at least give me a better experience, but still great beer. And it might make my top 10 list. It'd make my top 10 for sure on IPAs, 100%, double IPA for sure. Uh, it's, it's But as far as, if I were to judge all beers, maybe, maybe not. All right, the next, the other one is tied for six, is the Founders Brewing Kentucky Breakfast Stout. And uh, again, yeah, another one that uh, that's, coveted uh that, that people, you know, line up for and buy out uh immediately when it comes out. Now I, I think they're making more of it. I mean, uh, I didn't have any problem getting it here in my area when you know Founders just came in in February, they just started coming in here and uh and they brought this with them when it was available and it was it was at all the stores and I you know, I tried it. Um it's okay, but it's uh, you know, again, it, it I, I've had things similar that in my opinion do a little bit better job, but it's still a good beer. So this is the only beer on the list I haven't had. Um,
0: and uh you know, you talk about it coming to Boise. I was moving out of Seattle as it <laughs> made its way west. And it made its way west after it had been east. So mm. I I missed it completely. Um but uh I think you can point to this, you know, kind of as an an older version of heady topper in terms of kind of creating a, a style.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I don't know that there were a lot of or any, you know, bourbon barrel stouts or anything that at least had the acclaim or was able to push it out to people so they could understand what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so. Um, it it's another one of those i think probably category creators um and, and it's kind of kept that mystique with it for all the people that can't get it even though founder's is gr- is growing their yeah. footprint yeah. so um so next we'll we'll stick uh in the state of Michigan um for Bell's Hop Slam uh and this is a a double IPA uh that folks I think look forward to every year that it comes out, and it, it's another one of those, you know, limited release window mm-hmm. type type beers. Um, I don't know, can I guess that this is one of the two you haven't had?
1: No, I've had it. Remember, I uh, I oh. had it, and I, I might have had an older uh, can of it, and it was when I was uh, in Virginia. Not, okay. Not the last time, the time... Well, maybe the last. I can't remember. One of the well, since we've been doing the show, and one of my visits to Virginia, I had this, and I I made a comment that it it wasn't all what I expected. I mean, everyone talks this beer up a lot, and when I drank it, it was just like, yeah, it's it's it, the hop profile wasn't really there. It wasn't. It was kind of uh, muted. And, and, and you said you made a comment that well, maybe you got an older can, and you're right. I could have. I got it at the Total Wine and More store or whatever. And I know that those guys are notorious for not, you know, keeping their, their stock, uh, you know, cleaned out of old stuff.
0: Uh, and it's all kept warm. So and it's you can, all warm, you're you know, right. That, that accelerates your, your aging profile
1: there. Yeah so. yeah, so with my one can experience a few years ago, this wouldn't even be anywhere on my list because I didn't have a good experience with it. But I need to revisit it because you told me and a lot of people told me it's a great beer and I, I need to... To get it fresh one day, so I'll keep that on my wish list. So the beer that, so the two beers I haven't had. Wait a minute. So so far, here's the first one I haven't had, and that's the uh, (laughs) the Three Floyds Brewing Zombie Dust, and this is one I've been wanting to have for a long time. And this is actually a pale ale, right, John? It's not an IPA; it's a pale. Yeah, pale.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: And uh, this one is again one of those ones that is like got. It, everyone talks about it about being you know great, uh, you know citrus flavors in there, and it's one I really want to try. I I've only had my first three Floyd's beer f- uh, uh, from a listener who provided it to me just not too long ago, and that was the uh, it's right here the Alpha King, uh, mm-hmm. which was a great which was a great uh, IPA or, or no that was a pale ale too. Yeah, so that one's really good. And it was uh, William Lake is the one that provided that for me.
0: Well, if you want to fly out here, I will provide you the last uh, Middle Finger Space Station payload that I have in my fridge (laughs) from Three flights. Okay. And then we'll go to the store that I get those from so you can can get more. Get more? All right. All right. Yeah. But you have you have to fly here. I'm I'm not going to
1: do the legwork for that. No, no. I, um. I think I have to make a, I have to make I have to make a trip because you know uh, brew dog is opening up uh, in Ohio, so I have to come visit Brewdog.
0: Yeah, and the the first kegs from the Ohio brewery are out in the wild now. Yeah. So they're uh, they did their um, Brew Punk IPA. They're um, I've
1: had that one. Yeah, you know,
0: stand, standard IPA. Yeah. It, it was, I think, the first beer they released from there, and um, one of the uh, you know, tap house growler fill station places was the first to to get those. And oh. they were making a big a big deal about it uh, locally. So
1: you should fill up your um. uh, one twenty eight with that. Your- <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I I definitely feel like spending forty dollars to do that. Um, I have no idea how much it would cost, but more than probably I want to spend. Probably, probably. So, um, all right. So based on your previous reaction, is the the founder's breakfast stout the standard breakfast stout? The other one you haven't had?
1: Nope, I've had that a number of times. No? Yep, I've had it. I love this beer. Ah,
0: <sighs> wow. Great. Now I'm, o- I'm over, t- I'm going to stop guessing.
1: <laughs> but anyway, number three,
0: Founder's Breakfast towel. Um So I have had this version. I just haven't had the the barrel-aged version of this beer. Okay. So, um, yeah, clocking in number three. And this is, you know, one of those weird things where the barrel-aged version would not be rated above the standard. You know, usually th- you get bonus points mm-hmm. for being in a barrel at time. Yeah, yeah. So that's it's, it's kind of interesting to see from the collective hive mind, I guess.
1: Do you notice that the the picture they're using is the picture of the baby? I thought they got rid of the baby label. I don't know. I, I haven't been
0: following. I, I'm sure that that would would garner complaints, um, but I haven't been in their market. To, to actually pay attention to it. so Yeah,
1: interesting. Interesting. Okay, so now, number two, Russian Rivers Brewings Pliny the Elder, um, which is a great double IPA. I've had this uh, on tap at their brewery, and I bought a case of it to bring home with me when I came back from the brewery and gave it to all my friends. Uh, this is a great beer, and this would be in my top ten beers, even now, after all the many, many double IPAs I've had, this beer is still a, a top contender for my top 10 all-time list. Uh, but it's number two right now on the list. Yeah, and just recently made number
0: two after eight years at the top. Yeah. yeah. And unseated by the other beer Denny hasn't had. That's right. Bell's too hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> they finally got it right. You finally got um, it. The, you know, process of elimination. Um, but uh, yeah, and I don't, did you see uh, the, it, it kind of made its way around social media that uh, Russian River sent a case of Pliny the Elder uh, with like a note of, you know, saying like, way to unseat the champ, like, here, I hope you can enjoy a case of the number two um, beer to celebrate or something to that effect. Um, you know, uh, fully in like good spirit, not in a you know sarcastic, like harsh kind of way. Yeah, but, uh, it was still really cool to see, like, you know, an- another example of just the the feeling of community in the in the industry. You know,
1: so yeah. So um, yeah, that's the other one I haven't had. I've been wanting to have it for a while, but again, I just I have to be at the right spot that uh, that pr- can provide it to me. But um, here's something that uh, I-, I went back and found my check-in to Hopslam. And it was back in April of 2015, so it was over two years ago. And it's what's interesting, it's actually in a bottle, not a can. And that's probably where I had some problems. And I gave it a three. And the overall rating on this thing was like four point something. And what I said is a bit malty and either a sweetness or a sherry flavor from oxidation. It's okay, but not something great. And uh, you mentioned that this one's great fresh. Definitely try it again when you're in the Midwest or when it releases. So, um, yeah, that was my hop slam. So I definitely need to try that one again.
0: Yeah, and I think April would be a little late for that beer. I think that's another one of those, like, February release time frames and... You know, we say two months as you know old, but we've we've talked a lot about how hops are the the first thing to go, especially if something's not treated well and it's sitting on a shelf. And you know, you're hoping that that was this year's version.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, I hope it was at least this year's version that I had. Yeah, that would uh, Um, definitely
0: be bad. But uh, yeah, yeah. I'd say it's worth a shot. And if if you have a bad experience, then just never drink it again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I think I've only had two Bell's beers the Oberon and the Hop Slam. Those are the only two I've had. So, well, another thing I can can hook you up with when you're out here. (laughs) All right. Well, there's the top 10 list. And you know what? Our listeners have asked us, John, to come up with our own top 10 list. And uh, so I'm asking you, John, and Chris, when, Chris, you're listening, to uh, make a list. And the beers... You think Chris listens? Yeah, he I'm listens. Not sure. Oh, yeah, he listens, the first one to listen, usually. Well, th- right. between well, him and... We'll, we'll see, based on this, if he does. Yeah, him and Tom Joseph, those two, one of the two are usually the first ones. They're, they're really quick. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, let's make a list. Let's make a list of our top ten beers of any style... Of all, you know all the styles. But you say your top ten, and it can be of any time you've had them. Don't have to be this year. Let's just go of top ten list, but you had to have tried it. You can't just go off of something you want to try. It has to be something you've had and you've enjoyed, any style. And we'll we'll get all together right. our list for next episode, um, if possible. It's going to take me some work to come up with that list, uh, but we'll see. I'm I'm sure I'll be spending a lot of you jet get- lagged. Uh, sleepless nights uh, to come up with it when I'm in Israel. Oh, see, I was going to say you have some very long flights to figure that out. Yeah, but I, I won't so, have access to you the know. internet.
0: You, you can't just think of the amazing... If you can't think of it you know, off the top of your head, is it really a top ten?
1: Well, because I have a bad memory... I, I So here's the deal. I've already started writing down off my head the ones that I think are in my top ten, but I don't want to forget something that i've only had once three years ago or five years ago that was mind-blowing but i don't drink it all the time so i can't you know say that it sticks in my mind so all right that's that's my excuse
0: from untapped all your five caps (laughs) and then just go from there if it's not on that list and and you can't think of it it's not worthy
1: okay okay
0: well, now no, you got it. Yeah. Mine's all homebrews. Everything I've made is amazing.
1: Oh, my gosh. Right?
0: Okay. No? Yeah. I, have to, I, I can't go that route.
1: No, no, <laughs> no. I mean, they're pretty amazing, right. but oh. I, I don't know.
0: If- I, will, I will start at 11 with other people's beers. Okay. How about that? Okay.
1: That sounds okay. good. <laughs> all right, John. Hey, we said it was going to be a short show, and we lied again. So let's get this thing wrapped up. So we we, we what's this we <laughs> I told you this was going to happen. Well, we, yeah, that's okay. You you were right though. You talked. We definitely talked about the uh, recipe scaling uh, in depth. So I was glad we got a lot of content there. I thought we have a little less. So I, I I misjudged it, but you were right. You were right. All right. Before we go though, John, let's just go ahead and uh, lift a glass to some people we want to lift a glass to. So who would you like to toast tonight? Um, tonight,
0: I'm going to tell some buddy Wes. Uh, he was out last night having a lot of fun, um, brewery hopping and sent me, uh, a bunch of pictures and everything trying to get me to commit to a, uh, an R and D trip, as he called it oh. to, uh, to the Philly area. Um, he's really wanting me to, uh, commit to these New England IPAs. Um, but I, I think he's just, he's just going to have to facilitate it. You know, I, I'm going to need a sponsor. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe Wes can sponsor my trip <laughs> over to over to Philly. So uh this this is a cheers and and a call out that, you know, if, if he wants this to happen, you know, maybe we'll just need to come to some kind of arrangement. Um but uh no, I he, he had a ton of fun. He he was in picked some great great picks and uh stories, uh talking to even even some uh, brewery owners. Oh so, nice. Um yeah. So I, I do look forward to getting out there at some point. I'm hoping to before we before we open, and I I can't leave for a while. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that'd be fun.
1: It, it's a short so, drive. You can just drive there.
0: Yeah, it's not that short. But um, Pennsylvania's big. It's bigger <laughs> than anything. So, um, Yeah. Well, how about you? Who do you want to raise your glass to? I,
1: I want to raise my glass to uh, Kevin Arguar. It's his birthday today. I just want to say cheers to you and to your lovely wife, Amanda. Enjoy those great beers and happy birthday. Yes, happy birthday. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's it. I just want to raise my glass to him. I, I can raise my glass to my buddy Alex, too. You know, He and I spent a lot of time this last week drinking. It's always good to, to spend time with him and, and have some good laughs, so I'll raise my glass to Alex, too. And, of course, I have to lift my glass to all the servicemen and women out there who are protecting our freedoms. Cheers to you. We turn home safely soon. I want to raise my glass to HopCloth Apparel for partnering up with us, and I encourage all of our listeners to go and visit their site at www.hopcloth.com and check out their creative craft beer clothing and tell them that Tap the Craft sent them or sent you and you can find the beers and the links to the articles mentioned on the show in the show notes located on the show post at openforumradio.com and if you would like to follow us on social media I can be found on Twitter, Instagram and Untapped at Loose Screw and John, how can our listeners follow you?
0: On Twitter at Prime Brewing, Untapped Prime WA and more importantly than following my stuff uh, you can follow the, bre- the brewery, uh, Trek Brewing, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Trek Brewing, uh, or visit the website trekbeer.com. Because let's be honest, Kristen's doing a better job than me about posting stuff. Yes, she, so. she's awesome.
1: She is awesome. <laughs> All right, John, it is last call. It is time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening to the show. We ask you to please tell a friend and, of course, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or TuneIn or Google Play or however you listen to your podcast. And as a reminder, we do release a new show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers.
0: So I saw you logged into the uh evil bee. Yeah. So was that just on a draft list? Like do you know the story for that beer? I don't know the story. Do you? Yes, I do. Um <clears throat> so uh Jamil Zaneshef, the you know, founder of Heretic,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. uh, he actually is does a podcast, or two podcasts actually. Um, through the brewing network um, and so he he's talked about some of his collaborations like uh evil B and the evil three um mm-hmm. that i p a one that he does yeah um so the evil B is actually a collaboration between heretic and moonlight metery oh okay um so and I think they. It's. I think it's almost a fifty-fifty like braggart split. Split for the beer, um, that has a bunch of honey and and stuff in it. So it oh. may have been. You may have had a different idea of it if you're if if you maybe knew what you were getting into. Um, maybe right. not. I don't know. I, yeah. I haven't experienced the beer, so
1: yeah, I would have not uh, ordered it if I knew it was a braggart because <laughs> it definitely tasted we- weird and I gave it a three because it wasn't, I you know, I drank it it just was way below par for what I'd expect from Heretic. There's, that's only the only second beer I've had from them that, that was was not like over the top for me and I just felt, it was just like blah, you know, it was kind of a but now I understand why it was blah because it was not what I expected <laughs> Oh well, I had a, I had a few uh, bad. I had two, so I went and visited a brewery that I hadn't been to yet in Boise area. It's been there for two or three years now, and I said, you know what, it's right next to this homebrew stuff that we're gonna go to this tasting at. I'll just go in there and have a flight and just try their beers. And two of the beers, two of the eight beers I had, had some kind of bad contamination or something. Yikes! Uh, I mean. <clears throat> the uh, the porter tasted horrible, S- kind of a I don't remember the details. It was sour, kind of a sourish flavor, and and not good at all. I couldn't drink it. And then there's an IPA that tasted like chlorine. What can give you a chlorine flavor? What kind of off well, chlorine? Chlorine can. So maybe they, <laughs> they didn't clean out something.
0: Well, a lot of water should be with chlorine, um, and in places that, you know, it's highly concentrated. Mm-hmm. Like brewers need to account for that and add stuff to force the chlorine to be driven off and or deact like basically break it down. Yeah. Yeah. Um but usually like a good amount of chlorine will actually be uh boiled off. Mm-hmm. Um I think it breaks down in the heat. Um but uh, there's other things you can add that will help, like get rid of it.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't taste it in any other beers that they had. Um, this was an IPA, and I'm wondering if the if it just accentuated, you know, the the hops that they use or whatever, maybe just kind of made it come out more, or maybe I don't know. It just was weird, and I I literally took took one sip. I'm like, oh, this doesn't taste good. And then I said, well I'll give it one more. I give one more sip and just put it down and says, "Yeah, I can't drink that." It, it, it didn't taste so good at all. Was that from a clean glass like did
0: like that they just provided to you from behind the bar? Yeah. I like think it wasn't the one that was like previously wrenched no, or something. No, it like was you, it was a flight. Like I had, They refilled. Okay.
1: No, I had I had eight eight flight glasses. Six six ounce flight glasses and they were all poured at the same time. Hmm. Oh, cuz I don't know. Another
0: thought is that there are chlorinated cleaners um, that I don't think should be used in in terms of cleaning glassware. But who knows? Yeah. Um But if you got a, the flight altogether, then that'd be weird. But I was thinking maybe even if it, if it was like a a soapy character that kind of came across as a chlorine due to other stuff in the glass. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, I don't know. Yeah.
1: It could, you know what? It could also be maybe a soapy thing. It just, I, that was the first thing that came. You're right. It, it was kind of a chlorine, maybe a soapy residue flavor. Soap,
0: Like soapy. I mean, that is an off like another off flavor that you can get from different ingredients mm-hmm. um, that can come across that way. I've never heard of any ingredients or anything that would come across as chlorine, though. Yeah, yeah. That's that's usually a, you have a water issue and you Mm -hmm. haven't dealt with it. Yeah. Um, But if everything else didn't have that character, then that would tend to have me rule that out, unless Mm -hmm. maybe they do have a procedure and somebody forgot it and didn't deal with it that day. Yeah. And for some reason, they
1: still decided to serve the beer. Yeah, 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 well... I uh I won't be visiting there uh anytime soon. So, oh well.